Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 28. I can't believe we are here. New year, same old me. I'm ready for big things coming and all the incredible opportunities that I know 2021 will bring. Today's guest is a beautiful mama of four, Alita Blanchard. Alita is a conscious parenting coach who guides mothers to emotional awareness and growth. Alita offers mama circles in her retreats in New South Wales, Sydney and Central Coast. In this episode, we talk about the importance of healing yourself first and why practicing empathy in motherhood is so important. Alita shares her story through motherhood and openly shares her experiences through love and loss. This conversation has so many takeaways and insights for mothers and it was an absolute honor to speak with Alita. If you enjoy this episode, please help me reach more mums who are going to benefit from this conversation by sharing to your Instagram stories and tagging out with Chris and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on my next episode. I'm so excited to be back and I can't wait for all of the growth and opportunities coming this way this year. I hope that you enjoy my first episode of 2021. Alita, thank you so much for joining me today. I am absolutely just thrilled to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I am so good. So before we dive right into your life's work, I would love to learn and just share a little more on you. Can you talk a little bit about where you're from and um, where you're at now? Thank you. Yeah. Um, So I have been living in Australia for 20 years and I have four little Australian sons, uh, but I'm originally from New Zealand. I grew up in the high country sheep farm of New Zealand, so I'm like a Kiwi cliché. Uh, I come from a family that had divorced in it when I was about four, um, but, a, you know, a relatively happy childhood and went to boarding school when I was 12, from 12 to 17, which I loved. Um, yeah, and lots of happy memories of my childhood. And also, as for many of us, I had painful times and memories, which I didn't really understand until I had children of my own and suddenly things started slipping out. So. That over the last nine years of parenting has taken me on this path towards conscious parenting and connected parenting and lots of diving in deep into my own story. And yeah, I have three little living boys and my fourth son was stillborn um, mid-pregnancy three years ago. So that has been an incredibly um, intense journey with you know dealing with grief and loss. And then also it has been my spiritual awakening of sorts. So um, yeah, he has... He is, my little son Remy is a big part of why I am now doing the work I'm doing because as much as I have fear and feelings of not enoughness, um, my journey with him has, he was my awakener, the great awakener really, that made me realise my time on earth is short and I want to dive into the work that I'm passionate about, which is motherhood and holding space for other mums. So yeah, here I am. Really beautiful. Thank mm. you so much for sharing that. That part of your life, I imagine, you know, grieving there's no expiry date on the grief. So it's something mm. you're going to work through for forever. And I think it's really beautiful that you've 
got so much positivity out of such a traumatic experience and are doing all the work and the healing now, which is beautiful. Mm. So, look, there's been a bit of a, a paradigm shift, I suppose, in the way that we look at our roles as parents. And we're no longer focusing solely on fixing a child or management of a child, but the evolution of a parent and fully understanding that mm. we are parents and we need particular emotional awareness in order to provide our child with the emotional maturity they need for optimal growth. Conscious parenting, connected parenting, for me, it's almost brand spanking new. Like I've been a stepmom for four years and a mum, um, I've got two of my own now for two years, but it's still feels quite fresh to me. So where did this term conscious parenting first come to you? Yeah, so I've been following the philosophies of positive parenting and respectful parenting there's so many different names probably for about seven or eight years so my first year of parenthood you know with the new baby I went in blind like most of us did and then my second son came along and he came out screaming and didn't stop he would only ever sleep on me um, and that was when at about four months old uh, I found a philosophy of aware parenting which is similar to attachment parenting but it's very focused in on the normal and natural release of crying and pain uh, to release stress and trauma. So when they're being lovingly heard and listened to um, and all their other needs are met, when we can listen to a baby cry, there's a very normal and healthy response um, to release stress and trauma, which all babies carry from birth and even in the womb and then, you know, the everyday life. Um, so I followed very much aware parenting, hand-in-hand -hand parenting. They're all very similar philosophies. Then I came across conscious parenting by Dr. Shafali, mostly. There's obviously a lot of psychologists and, and work around it. But that would have been probably not long after my son was born, my, my stillborn son. I was obviously in the depths of grief and a lot of anger was spilling out, um, which is all very normal response to grief. But also it was triggering deeper pain that I had been previously able to control I guess um, but in grief it was just all coming out so I was diving you know I have a very high value on motherhood and being a, a connected parent um, but I was struggling with it you know and I was yelling I was raging and there was just a lot of pain coming out so I think I stumbled across one of Shafali's podcasts with Oprah maybe um, yeah, and it just resonated because it was all, what I've always loved about aware parenting was that release of pain and trauma, but obviously for the child, but obviously a huge part of the story and where I'm really focused in now is the release of pain, trauma, stress, and, you know, those bigger emotions within us as parents and mothers in particular. Um, so that really resonated because that's a huge part, part of Dr. Shafali's work is it's not about them, it's about us and our journey and for most of us, you know, we have been raised in a society that's repressed and suppressed a lot of our emotions and we think we're pretty normal. And then we have some kids and the baby doesn't stop crying and the toddler tantrums and then they get a bit older and the rage and anger comes out in the child and we want to naturally shut it all down, which is not a healthy response. But for most of us, it was done to us. So it's our, our go-to and it's not healthy. So it's just a complete, that's where that paradigm changes all about empathy for ourselves first and then learning to um yeah to hold space and practice active listening and empathy with our children i know just with uh, my mm. stepdaughters they're quite different in every possible facet and they're only about 16 months 18 months apart in age and one is all about structure and regime and she is 
you know, mm-hmm. she will thrive if I give her the structures that I, I thrive in personally. And the other one is she feels pressure with structures. So, and she's communicated that now she's old enough and we've mm-hmm. talked it out because she constantly pushes boundaries when she's given these, these structures. And I've always found that really triggering because I'm like, well, why? Why can't you just do as you're told, you know? And I think that... <laughs> Just drawing on that, that, just that experience alone, practicing empathy for the younger one of the two in those moments where she, I have to, you know, recognize she's feeling pressured from me. If I'm saying, here's the square, you can't move outside the square, she's like, oh my God, the square's too tight, I need to get out, and she'll push, push, push. So it's interesting, isn't it, how, how different kids thrive in different um, ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I really love, I mean, not everyone will resonate with this. And even I struggle sometimes with, for instance, Dr. Shafali's very spiritual view on, you know, our children as souls that come to us for a reason. Some people that won't resonate with. Um, for me, I'm there, but I still kind of eye roll sometimes with a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. But I really feel the truth and resonate deeply with the fact that they have come to us for a reason and to call up different parts of our own childhood wounds our triggers our programming for healing and so our children will all be so different because they are their own beings on this on this earth and their own path and they and also they're going to mirror in us such different things we're going to get triggered by one child in one way and the other in a completely different way and it's yeah it's incredibly hard to figure out the right way forward but we just it's a lot of it's just stumbling through and, and continuously checking back in with ourselves and doing that in a work on, on us. Yeah, I really resonate with that. I, I do believe that the, my two stepdaughters was, was sent to me by the universe for a reason mm. and I've always felt that way. Um, and I feel so much connection with them and they've broken so many barriers down for me and there's, I learn yeah. from them every day, like, you know, yeah. patience and practicing patience and kindness and empathy. It's, it's something I don't think I would have been so good at with my son, who's now two in his level two space. He is a chaotic little dude. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I would have had the patience that I was able to have with him had the girls not broken down my barriers, essentially. So just yeah. moving on a little bit, did you feel or do, do you suppose that you had quite a strong connection? Was there something that you experienced in your childhood to give you a, a strong connection in this conscious parenting terminology and concept now as, a, as an adult? I think in reality, we all carry wounds and pain from our childhood and it goes back for our parents and their parents and their parents who were, you know, obviously in wartime and, and so much trauma that really never got processed you know there was obviously a lot of coping mechanisms but you know a couple of generations ago and they're still here now I think alcohol and overworking and addiction and and shopping and whatever your whatever your medicine is whatever your coping mechanism is you know everyone's got something and that's fine you know it's a survival mechanism to get you through but in reality now I think for our generation we are in generally um you know we live in a very lucky country and a very lucky part of the world where we are generally safe and I really and truly believe that it gives us space for that repressed ancestral trauma to come up for healing. And I think this is what's happening with so many people. Not everyone. I live in a bit of a bubble where I, all I talk about is conscious and connected parenting and we're waking up and we're doing the healing work. But obviously it's not mainstream yet. I'd like to think it would be soon. For me and my childhood, you know, as beautiful as it was, there was definitely um, pain and trauma, childhood of divorce. Yeah, it had an impact. 
and I was very um, emotionally repressed, repressed for a lot of my life. You know, I drank alcohol consistently for many, many years. Um, you know, and that felt just really fun in the 20s and 30s. But once you have kids, you start realizing, okay, I need to, I need to look at this, you know, this coping mechanism that's here. And I've got a very high value on motherhood. I was naturally very empathic. You know, I loved playing with my dolls. I was an only child until I was 10 when I had some um, siblings arrive. Uh, but yeah, most of my childhood was very lonely on a farm and playing with my dolls. And I loved that sort of, you know, that feeling of nurturing and motherhood. And I, I absolutely am in bliss being a stay-at-home mom and also very aware of my privilege. I think where I have come to this work is realizing that I wanted to have open conversations about emotions and feelings, which certainly wasn't me even five years ago. It has been that awakening process through postnatal depression um, about four years ago and then my son's death. It's woken me up to the importance of actually talking about this stuff. And yeah, I have such a high value on motherhood. It's important to me. And that healing is so important for our children because, you know, there's so many children that are still punished and threatened and bribed and it's so mainstream and accepted and I don't believe it's okay and things need to change. Um, mental health issues are chronic. I've lost a few friends now to suicide. Um, I've got a lot of friends who've experienced postnatal depression, anxiety and yeah having experienced postnatal depression myself I'm, I'm in now. I won't not talk about the hard subjects so that is what Women's circles in particular has been a huge healing for me and the coaching part um, or just the diving into conscious parenting has been the next peeling away of the layers. 100%. I, I resonated there when you were talking about your childhood and things coming up now as a parent, as a mom. And when you become a mom, I feel like I'd suppressed all these particular emotions for such a long period of time. Um, my relationship with my father has always been quite disconnected. Uh, my parents divorced when I was like maybe nine or 10. I was in year three, so maybe a little bit mm. younger. But throughout the, the divorce, my, my dad was a every second weekend father. So what that means to me is... I would only see him once or twice a fortnight. That's four times a month at a maximum. And mm -hmm. I never felt wanted. He would drop us back early mm -hmm. or pick us up late or he always had something on or there was a girlfriend and they were having dinner. Like there was, or he'd leave us at my grandma's. And whilst he doesn't, he has a very um, clouded judgment of, and a recollection of that time. And for me, mm -hmm. I've always felt so much resentment for then because as a stepmom now and being married to a man that refused from the immediate separation, refused to have his children less than 50%, like that was just not a question. I think then I became a mom and I just could not seem to understand or comprehend this man that was my father how the hell did he give us up so easily? Like what, mm. you know, why didn't he feel the way that I felt? Why didn't he feel the way my husband felt? And that's been, been like a huge disconnection for us um, as recent as literally three weeks ago to where we've decided to part ways and, and just say our goodbyes because I just felt like I could no longer hold on to this, this idea of the man that I thought he should be. And he felt the pressure of me putting that on him. And we've just gone, you know, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't until I became a mother and was in this season of, of motherhood to go, this isn't okay. How I was treated yeah. back then made me feel really crappy. And it makes me feel yeah. like, like I wasn't loved and I could never do that to my kids. So that's not good mm. enough and that doesn't serve me well now. And walking away from that. And I'm, I'm actually quite proud of being able to do that because for many years I have gone back and forth and carried this guilt 
almost um, that I had to had to have this relationship, the idea of the relationship, but I've been able to to walk away from it. Just digressing a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I so hear you, and I think it's such a common story. Is you know we we have our children, and we realise that we've got so much repressed stuff hiding away and it does mostly it slips out as anger and you know our own inability to hold space for our children which is massive and common and you know the reality is is that our parents were were very similar when they were children they weren't listened to and so they create their own coping mechanisms and trauma patterns and it just simply is the journey you know and I know it's so cliche but it is you know if we've got the capacity and the time and the resources to start diving in and doing that reparenting and that nurturing our own inner child and and seeing where our needs weren't met and where the perceived voids were you know then we can start doing that work to to nurture the little the little girl or the little boy within us and and also I mean I really feel it when I'm um, when I'm coaching my children or I'm listening to them I can also feel a little girl within me is being listened to or she's being told that you know it's okay to actually cry and and I'm here with you and yeah it's it's really big stuff and you know I look at my own family and you know there's obviously pain there and repression and you know they did the best they could at the time that's not the case in every family I think it's easy to spin that line you know obviously some families are very abusive and they could have made big changes but for most families they did the best they could at the time with the resources they had and you know we have to have that sort of place of empathy but you know we also have to look after our mental health and and our own family and if it means going no contact for a while while we dive deeper into our own stuff then so be it because that's the, the most important person at the end of the day is our journey on this earth and and growing through and motherhood motherhood I really believe is our is our greatest portal to our personal growth I just I, you know it so resonates for me yeah, I love that something that I've been coming to terms with is the identity shift you know both emotionally and physically um, that I experienced in my motherhood season which I know that you will resonate with too and yeah. uh, my beautiful friend Nikki over at Dear Mama Project introduced me to the term matrescence which is the transformation transformative experience sorry we go through as mothers our birthing of our baby is also the rebirthing uh, of us as women Mm. can you share a little bit on your experience throughout your motherhood season through having four children and and what that showed up as for you Mm. yeah I love Nikki's work and I've been following her for a while and matrescence you know the fact that it's it's gaining traction um, now is is just so powerful I've been following Amy Taylor Cabaz and I read her book Mama Rising and it's just really resonated and there's so many women training and matrescence work it's just it's beautiful you know the mums I mean the dads need support but yes you know there's so much responsibility on the mother we don't have that village of support that everyone you know craves and yeah we need to find ways of really honoring motherhood Uh, for me you know, I went into motherhood in that very blissed out state of being so excited to have a baby and settle down and get the cottage with a white picket fence and, oh, you know, I'm finally be happy and content. <laughs> and I know it's such a common story. And then you have the baby and things don't go to plan. Um, I had a baby that went two weeks overdue and then it was a C-section. Um, you know, the crying was really intense. And I, I just have this huge memory of like day seven going up, uh, up. Uh, no, I can't do it. Can I send him back? <laughs> you know, that kind of weird feeling of I wasn't at all prepared for what happens after the birth. You know, there's so much focus in on the beautiful 
pregnancy stage when it is so blissful like I don't you know I've been talking to a lot of people lately about oh we should warn expecting parents about what lies ahead but then I said to my husband last night but it's just that amazing blissful time you know in pregnancy for for many people it's not it's not great for everyone but to just enjoy it and then we just need to really support the mother once she's there in that newborn stage that postpartum stage um so I went on to have three c-sections uh with children, with babies that, you know, was, were going very overdue. I, I realised now I probably had a lot of fear about labour. Um, my mum apparently had a very difficult labour with me and I heard all about that story. So, you know, no doubt there was some, some sort of deep-seated fear within me to let go. Um, my second son was my, my first step really into awakening, you know, the screaming, the not sleeping in the cot. He would only sleep on me. The sleep deprivation was intense, but that was when... I see the gift in all of that now because that was how I found a weird parenting. And that was what really sent me on a huge journey of awakening into my own emotional pain and repressed stuff and really realizing the importance for all of us in being able to release our emotions. Um, and after my third, I did have postnatal depression. I refused to go to see the doctor for so long because, you know, in my mind, I wasn't the sort of person that gets depressed. So I was in denial for a long time. Um, but I was diagnosed and just as I was starting to look at a treatment plan, we fell pregnant with my fourth. His gift was that he pulled me out of postnatal depression, um, which was pro probably highlights that it was in hormonal imbalance. And then after he died at 20 weeks, um, yeah, you know, I've got a lot of empathy and understanding now of the entire process of having to let go after miscarriage, late miscarriage, stillbirth. It's just a whole new layer of motherhood that it's a whole yeah I can't even grief. yeah it's a whole nother podcast <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and I think mm. like for, for me I remember when I had my son Jesse I've got Jesse and Lola now Lola's six months Jesse's two and I I was always quite hard as a human I think mm. before Jesse and Lola like I thought I had all these ideas in my head what kind of mother I was going to be and what I was going to how I was going to act and let allow behaviors and things like that and the crying thing I was like oh I don't care I'll just put him in the cot and that's I cry they cry as soon as he was born I was like no this is not on I could not the thought him the thought of him crying out for me and me not being mm -hmm. there just tore my heart into a million pieces yeah. we have co-slept with both children and we um, my husband and I absolutely love it um Jesse even now I've recently put something up on Instagram last night I think you actually might may have saw it um that he's been out of whack with his sleep routine which is causing us all kind of grief but I refuse to mm. stand in that cot and scream for me so we go in I lay on the floor and I wait until he falls asleep and he fell asleep last night with like he it literally took 53 minutes and then on the 52nd minute he put his hand out and touched my face and then he went to sleep and I just mm. thought like, you needed me there and I'm not willing to let you have this this um, this stress in your little body scream mm. for me. Do you know what I mean? And it just wasn't yeah. the, and I, I wasn't the parent that I thought I was going to be in that regard. Mm. I'm so much more nurturing and softer than anticipated, but I'm loving learning about connected parenting and how to be more aware and present for my babies and patient as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And I think the reality is that for most of us, we think we're going to parent a certain way and then we the baby comes along. And I don't know a mother who can sit listening to her 
child scream in another room and not feel her heart break into a million pieces. Like it's just the most awful feeling. And if you're not feeling something, then, you know, you've got some big inner healing work to go. I think it's, you know, it's primal in a, in any human's um, nature to be able to go to that child and to that baby. Um, attachment parenting is beautiful, but I think it puts too much on mothers to be there and meet every need. And I don't think it serves children or the mother in the long run. Uh, which is where aware parenting for me really resonated because it is about meeting their needs. You know, are they fed? Are they dry? Are they well? If all those needs are met and they still need to cry, it's about holding the space and just letting them cry and listening to them and, and not trying to fix it and shush them and stick them back on the boob and put the dummy in. And I mean, sometimes we need to do those things if our mental health is suffering or we're just tapped out. We don't have that village of support then yeah, we've got to do what you know we can to keep ourselves feeling safe. But if we have capacity and we can listen to pain, tears, tantrums, then it's a beautiful thing because we're letting our child be their whole human being. I remember when Jessie was about 14 months old and I was heavily pregnant with Lola and we just transitioned from co-sleeping to a cot because we knew the newborn was coming and we couldn't all be in the bed. He may squish us. Mm. And I was on like my 14th night of getting up to him 20 to 30 times and I just remember sitting on the cot floor and I and I lost it and I like and I yelled at him and then I was just broken after that because I was just like please go to sleep please I can't live like this anymore I'm you know and you do you have those moments of breakdowns and I think it's important when you have a moment of breakdown to use it as a breakthrough and and work on that for next time because we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to nail this conscious parenting thing right off the bat. And it's going to take a lot of work because we're healing in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a, that's the exact thing is there is nothing really to nail. It's not this perfect solution. You're not going to raise your child as a conscious parent and guarantee that you're going to have a conscious child. They may be completely unconscious. I mean, even Dr. Shafali is very, um, she's very open about her own struggles now with her teenage daughter and how much it triggers her. And, you know, she's got years of experience and she's a psychologist and, and she's very open about, you know, how she can still yell and scream. And, and, you know, and she, and she also says, you know, we can raise completely unconscious children. Really it's not about them. It is about us and the work we're doing on ourselves. And, and I think, but the, the gold in this is that we're raising children who know that they have, a safe space to be exactly who they are. And if they're angry and if they're disgusted and if they're disappointed and they're, they're raging or they're fear, fearful or jealous, that all of that is welcome. You know, it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy for us. Like when my child acts selfish and entitled, I react. <laughs> and it's, mm. it's not always from the most conscious space. But, um, yeah, it's messy. It's not an easy solution but I think it's the solution or a path that this world needs for, from a perspective of mental health and mental wellness, absolutely, um, and for the healing that we all need. I think that's a really nice way of describing it. So just diving into your work now a little bit deeper, can you introduce me and some listeners to some of the basic foundations of connected and conscious parenting? Mm. I'm just going to plug in. Yeah. So the term conscious parenting in particular relates to becoming more aware and conscious of our own stuff uh, in our parenting journey and why we react the way we do and why we naturally want our children to be well-behaved 
and how we have a very natural tendency to want to control them and how we want them to be in the world. So being a conscious parent is like a continual practice in surrender, awareness and surrender and letting go. Uh, that awareness piece for me is the absolute first place we need to start is getting aware of what's coming up within us when they're acting acting in those difficult ways, you know, whether it's the toddler having the massive meltdown in the supermarket, you know, the older kids fighting with, the, with each other, uh, the way that we want to shut it down, we want to fix, we want to control and come from a, a wounded space. Uh, so, yeah, getting more conscious and connected is, is really about coming in from a place of connection to ourself first so we can, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk about mindful parenting and I think mindfulness is an amazing practice, but also it feels like for many it's like another thing to add to the list to do. It's like I'm not going to be whole and complete unless I journal every day and I'm doing my meditation and I've got to have my yoga practice and get self-care. I mean, that's impossible for a lot of mums. So focusing in on, you know, those little radical self-care pieces that we can do within the messy everyday of parenthood, connecting to ourselves first and then connecting to our child, even if it's the last thing we want to do, and then we can start working on the correction piece. Uh, so for me, the biggest parts of like conscious and aware parenting is when they're in the baby stage, it's really learning how to listen to the tears. So we know that all their other needs are met and they're well, and they're going to cry and release and knowing that there is actually a normal response for really releasing pain, stress and trauma. Uh, then they move into the toddler years and the tantrums start. And that, you know, that really shocks a lot of mums, especially if they're gentle parenting or attachment parenting focus. You know, it's really hard to be a gentle parent when your child is completely losing their shit and just you know, wailing and screaming and throwing things everywhere. And, you know, it's a really intense process. But that tantrum or emotional release is a perfect way to release stress and, and trauma. It doesn't always happen at the most perfect time. You know, it can be really um, shame shame filled when it happens in a supermarket or at the park or maybe you're with a group of of mums and mothers group and suddenly your child is the one having an epic tantrum you want to shut it down because you're so, we're so worried about how everyone else is going to perceive us so it's really you know and I've been there so many times um you know having practiced this work for probably a yeah, seven or eight years and there are times still when my, my children don't have tantrums a lot certainly out in public because we hold space so much at home there's a lot of stuff that happens at home um so generally out in public they're pretty they're pretty cruisy but when it does happen I really have to nurture and tend to my heart because I can feel everything in my body saying shut this down right now I'm embarrassed these people are going to think I'm a terrible mum and um what's been coming up for me lately is because I'm now trained in conscious parenting and a parent coach is that whole sort of shame and hypocrisy story of going, I should know better. You know, I should be able to control my children because I have all the tools, but it doesn't work like that. You know, they're still little human beings with underdeveloped brains who still need to release emotions. And um, yeah, they're not here to please me and work on my timeline. So it's a constant, constant process of yeah, surrender and letting go. Yeah, I feel um, powerful surrender and letting go. Yeah, every day. <laughs> so I think the other day it was like 50 times on my husband's birthday. You know, I had a middle child who was just 
he was, you know, we'd had a lot of late nights. We were on a, a breakaway and um, there was too much sugar and hot chips. And yeah, it all compounds. You add in the crappy diet and less sleep and, and too many movies at night. And yeah, you've got some very fairy, feral little boys who just need, it all comes out. Yes. Yeah. Big. Mm. Yeah. And I think the big thing, I've already been over this quite a bit, is that, you know, we all carry emotional wounds and the a big part of connected parenting is the power of healing through play. So, you know, when they are feeling disconnected and angry and rageful or closed in, you know, there's so much power in dropping into play with them, you know, because that's their way of communicating and that's their way of healing. But in saying that, I mean, we can, we can hear this message so often, but it is one of the hardest things for so many of us to do. Um, for most of us as adults, we have a shame story around play. I think it was very common when we were being silly in our childhood for, you know, adults to tell us to, you know, you're not allowed to do that here, stop being silly, you're being, you know, completely nuts, um, take your play outside. You know, there weren't a lot of adults that played with children, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So when it comes to our own adulthood, it can be shameful, feel shameful to drop into play and be silly. Some people are amazing at it. You know, dads can be the most incredible um, ones to play with the little ones. And I know for mums, you know, I have to really fake it till I make it. And I have to kind of lean my, lean my kids towards play that I want to do as well. So I can't stand Lego and trains, but I will do anything outside, you know, kick the ball, play swing ball, trampoline. So it's just finding the things that, that we want to do as well that sort of, you know, and that can be a bit of self-care as well. You know, I've got a little kid that um, loves to play dinosaurs. So I say, yeah, I'll play dinosaurs, but can we put them in circle first and create a little altar? So, you know, I'm connecting with him in, in that way and also sort of nurturing the creative side of, of my heart. I know my stepdaughter um, who the eight-year-old one now, but a couple of years ago when Jessie first came along, she was pushing boundaries left right and center like really mm -hmm. pushing and we ended up having a really big talk one day and and she was able to communicate that she does that because she she wants my attention and I knew that I knew that it was for attention but now we've we have got strong communication in terms of she will come out of her room and instead of acting out or being naughty she'll say can you come and play with me I want to play. Can you come and play with me? And now as she's getting older, it's actually changed to, can you watch me do this? And, you know, and I ended up last, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, I just don't want to watch you do 58 clips of the trampoline <laughs> again. Sorry, babe. But okay, I'll come out soon. She's like, you always say soon. I'm like, yeah, no, I'll be there soon. I'll come and watch you again, flip on the trampoline for half an hour. And then I just thought to myself, you know what? One day they're going to stop asking me to play, mm. stop asking me to watch them do this. So I'm going to go and watch them do this. And I think if you can shift that perspective, as well in those moments because playfulness is not that fun for a parent where like especially mums when you're a stay-at-home mom you've got this endless to-do list you just want to go 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 get it all done you're looking around you can see washing and dishes and food to cook mm. and you know kids to feed and all these different things are going on in your home and you've got one child saying hey just sit and do nothing and watch me do this mm -hmm. like hold on I can't I think we just need to go well no one's gonna die if we do you know let's just yeah. shift the perspective a little bit and enjoy the time that we have with our babes Absolutely. And it's, it's so hard because, you know, I think as women, we are conditioned to get all the things done. We were raised in a generation that were, you know, women can do anything. We can do it all. We can have the job and start the business and have the tidy home and, and, you know, be super fit and do whole food on the table, plus be really connected to our children. 
There is no mother that can do all those things unless she has a huge village or incredible family support. You know, it's an impossibility. And unfortunately, we can know that. And then still, it's incredibly hard to let go of that constant need to like get all the stuff done. But the reality is, and you know, I and I speak this, and yet I can be so bad at it myself sometimes, is that when we step into play, you know, we are doing healing work on ourselves. It doesn't need to be all the meditation practices and the yoga and the retreats. It can be as simple as playing outside with our kids, watching the clouds, doing the deep breaths there, you know, being really present. That's that is part of the healing journey. And it is so simple, but so hard for so many. Yeah. Totally. And you touched on just before about fathers being, you know, most of the time, they're really good one at playing. They're really playful and they rough and they have a lot of fun. When dad gets home, I know this house erupts. So what I would love to know is, does it disrupt the process of conscious parenting if one parent is encouraging this, but then one might not be all all on board? So when it comes to raising an emotionally attuned and literate child, they only need one emotionally attuned and um, literate adult to be there for them, to hold the space, to practice empathy, to coach them through. Obviously, it would be amazing to have both parents on board, but from all the research I have done and I've listened to many podcasts and it was part of our training, um, from a child development perspective, just one attuned parent is enough. In saying that, you know, it's definitely a good conversation to continuously have with your partner. And I know that's really frightening for a lot of us, me included. Um, you know, my husband is pretty much on board, but there are times when it's, you know, if we are not well and attached, the last thing we can do is parent our children, parent our children with consciousness and connection. And, um, you know, we all, we all feed off each other's energy. And so I think that, you know, a huge part of conscious parenting is also doing that work on being in more conscious relationships and getting our own needs met. And that's an ongoing journey. And uh, it's definitely not my subject expertise. I have a lot of work to do there. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that's big. In your experiences also, can this practice of parenting be reintroduced? For example, if you know you have school-aged children, or <coughs> how does this work? Because as for me personally, as I've mentioned, I've got two stepdaughters that don't live here full time. We've we've got them 50-50 week on week off, um, and we definitely have very different households, very different values in both households, a very different way of parenting. Um, you're, you're speaking about two polar opposite homes for these little kids and whilst that's quite difficult for them they I've said before that these little girls put on a different hat for each house almost they Mm. go being there where they're the youngest they come here they're the oldest um, more responsibilities you know they're the bigger kids there's more expectations I think here Um, so I think that that would be really hard for them like how how do you introduce the whole conscious parenting terminology when you might not only have school-aged children but kids that you don't have full-time yeah, look, it's um, absolutely split homes can, can make it more difficult and can create a lot of stress for the, for the mum or the dad. Uh, but it's, the reality is, you know, I look at my, at my childhood background, it was a split home and everything that I thought was a void, perceived void, has created the person that I am now, you know, and I am emotionally resilient and I am attuned to my children because my voids or my perceived voids in my childhood were what created my values in life. And I think that's a really beautiful reframe for us to, you know, because we we can't avoid 
our children experiencing pain. Like it's an impossibility. And pain is where our greatest growth is. So we, you know, it's a beautiful thing that we want to hold space for our children. We want to be there and um, we want to be there to listen to their big emotions. And, you know, we're going to teach them and coach them and let them know that they're whole just as they are. But if they go to someone else or dad's, you know, completely unconscious or they go to another home and they're being punished and rewarded, you're simply having, having a conversation with them about what that means. You know, it's like in our family, we don't punish. But if it's, it's happening in another family, how does it make you feel? You know, let, tell me about how you felt after that. It's just creating that healing capacity within them at any time. It's never too late to start conscious connected connect parenting. Um, Certainly, if you're a conscious parent and you're holding space and you're listening to all emotions from, you know, the moment they're born, it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, I love the work of Gabriel Mate around, you know, childhood trauma and, um, you know, creating attachment right from the start. But absolutely, you know, if you're starting at seven or 14, it's doable. You may have many, many years of repressed emotions that you need to listen to and get out and you're going to have to do a lot of extra self-care to hold space for yourself in that um but yeah it's never too late to heal i mean you know i'm here in my 40s and i'm starting my healing work now by reparenting myself it's um it's messy <laughs> but it's it's totally doable and yeah and like i say i think really hitting home that fact that our pain and our challenges are what also create beautiful values and and gifts and strength and resilience in us so you know we cannot protect our children from pain it's part of life i really really resonate with everything you just said there my goodness it was just all really quite powerful to be honest mm. um, just digressing a little bit i would love i know that you've been through four birthing experiences now with your four sons What's something that you you wish in your postpartum state? What was something that you wish that you had that you would encourage another mom if she's pregnant or in the postpartum journey right now in that season of motherhood, that depth right now? What's something that you would encourage a mother to lean on for support? I mean, I think if you've got access to it, then, you know, calling in postpartum doulas is a wonderful thing. Um, I certainly didn't have access to that. It's, you know, you've got to be a certain person of privilege to be able to afford services like that. Learn to ask for help. Um, so many of us are independent and resilient, which are beautiful traits, but also quite often they are our trauma response from our childhood. So learning to ask for help. And then also learning how to say no and set boundaries. Like, I just think it's crazy that women are in hospital after this huge birth, whether it's a C-section or natural, and then there's suddenly 10, 15 visitors coming in. It's just, it's crazy. Um, you know, I was very particular about no one's coming to visit us until I'm well and truly ready. I was lucky I had my mum there and she was an amazing help in, um, after all three of my, my births. Um, Look, I would always say my biggest thing is, is dive into the education around aware parenting, the power of crying and loving arms. Um, I wish I'd had that information with my first. So I spent the first two years of my eldest's life not knowing those tools and I was always putting him on a bottle. I couldn't breastfeed him. So he was on a bottle. If he was crying, it was like, oh, he must need more milk or there was a dummy. I was just shutting him down. And in reality, once I learned 
the power of releasing and he was in the tantrum phase yes we started releasing a lot of those initial emotions but he is still the one that is um more prone to intense reactions now and that could be a big part of his character but i also believe we're doing catch up of emotional release from those first two years where i suppressed him because that was the way it's done that's the ma mainstream way you know your baby's crying they must need another drink or put them back on the boob. And, and I think there are benefits to, you know, settling babies to sleep with the boob. But if it's being done every single time and you're never allowing them to cry while listening to them, you're setting yourself up for trouble down the track. So, yeah, crying in loving arms. Hashtag search that, research that if you're a new mama. And I think creating healthy boundaries, gosh, like that's just mm. a big one for me. Um, and doing the work before you have a baby, whatever process you need to do to make sure that you are confident enough to create those healthy boundaries when you do have a baby. Because I know with Jesse, I had people coming over within the first 48 hours and it was um, three days before Christmas. So everyone wanted to see and meet him before Christmas, before mm. holidays, because everyone would go away. I think we had like 30 people come in and out of our home in that time. And I felt yeah. the pressure to keep the house tidy, keep myself tidy, even though people are probably going to be like, um, you look like shit. But I was like, I did try. <laughs> I feel like I tried. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I just didn't feel like I could say no to those people. Mm. Like, oh yeah, they really want to meet the baby. Like, I'll let them. Mm. And I, sh I wish that I just gave that time to us and our family. Um, I really do because then it was Christmas and it was all over and then it was the school holidays. And then I was suddenly I had this eight week old baby, two month old. Mm. And I was like, oh crap. Like he grew yeah. I didn't get to soak up that time. So mm. I think that's just absolutely so important. And for women that aren't confident in creating those boundaries yet or right now, and they can, they can see the future of them being like, no, I'll just, you know, they can just come in, whatever. It's, you know, too, easier to say yes, go and find a way to build that confidence in, in your own skin to be able to say mm. no, because I think you'll regret it when they're older, because I know I do. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah and I mean it is it is part of the learning journey but you know we all need to learn this as women and as mothers it is our job to dive in our little children need us to be well and um, a big part of that is finding out what our values are and learning to set boundaries and we don't need to be the martyr I think that's a big one we need to remove this emotional connection to motherhood as being this martyr of a woman who the house is clean the washing's done everybody's perfect everyone's dressed well you know we've got a face on our hair's done we've just got to surrender complete surrender and let go to the to the season the postpartum season and I don't mean just for those first couple of weeks I'm talking about now like I've got a six month old I'm talking to now you know I'm still working on being able to surrender to that even this morning I caught up with a girlfriend and I said like I just feel overwhelmed with my to-do list still even now I, I try to surrender and I try to let go but when you've got sleep deprivation involved and four kids it gets chaotic and you feel that pressure and I felt that sense of wanting to be the martyr again and wanting to make sure that everything was perfect and she was like babe take your own advice you know you've just got to let it go it's mother mm. your house is a mess yep. who cares? who's gonna who's looking at the house tidy one room at a time don't stress about you know those small things it's there's more going on in life you know yeah absolutely you know it is just a constant learning process and leaning into whatever needs us most in the season and if it's our children are needing us most the house is going to have to you know take a back seat and you know if our relationship is needing extra attention then perhaps the children don't get as much you know we there is no such thing as balance I think it's a complete fallacy we have to just be able to tilt or lean into the area that is like for me I'm you know I've been studying and I've been 
training and starting a business and so much beautiful creative work I want to dive into, my relationships and with both my partner and my children have suffered and my self-care has suffered. But, you know, now it's, it's all coming to an end and I'm moving into a different season. So I will refocus back on rebuilding connections. And, you know, if it means that we lose our, we flip our lid at our children, then, you know, lots of self-compassion and repairing the rupture. You know, it's a, it's an easy process to be done. We just need to practice it again and again and again. Yeah, could not agree more. Well, thank you mm. so much, Alita, for joining me today. I, there's so thank much information. I know it's going to resonate with so many women. So it's been an honour to have you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. I just, yeah, there's so much that we could cover. It's, yeah, yeah beautiful. So we might have to do another one later <laughs> year, I think. We might have to dive into some mm. topics too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.